It began in May. And every month after that, whenever the moon was full, it happened again. And again. Nobody knew who or what was responsible. They only knew it had to be stopped. Now, from the master of mystery and suspense, Stephen King's Silver Bullet. to say everyone or, or everybody. everybody i don't know it depends are we collectivist or are we individualist i don't know we'll figure it out anyways welcome to definitely first blood yes welcome it is our 16th episode the big one six we are a horror movie podcast we talk about horror movies of the 70s the 80s 90s and today yeah and today we're <laughs> recording earlier than we normally do, so we're much more bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. The sun is up yeah, in the sky. Usually, we're recording under the cloak of darkness. Yep, very night, nighttime, nocturnal, nocturnal. If you will. Yes. Yeah. Like but we're it. going to go see Hereditary, so we needed to bang this out. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it, but we're trying not to get our hopes up too much. Oh, I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah. I'm, uh, I know absolutely nothing about it. I haven't even watched a trailer because as soon as it was like done in the festival circuit and people were like singing its praises, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't need to know anything about this. Because as someone who watches like a lot of horror movies and stuff, it's very easy usually upon watching a trailer to be like, oh, that happens then and I can, I know what's going to happen. And yeah. I can sort of like piece them together. Well, thankfully, uh, even though I watched the trailer, I still feel like I'm going in blind. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to That's it. That's the way to yeah. be. Yeah. Speaking of blind, mm-hmm. today we are talking about 1985's Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet. Yes. Yes. A Stephen King work. Original screenplay. Uh, yeah. Based original on screenplay and uh, his novella. A novelette. So at the actually at the time that they shot this movie, mm-hmm. the novelette didn't even exist. Oh. So all that Stephen King had was like a calendar with like some events written for ideas on it. That's how the best movies start. And he wasn't even originally going to write the screenplay. The first director, Don Cascarelli, mm-hmm. wrote a screenplay, but the producer, Dino De Laurentiis, absolutely hated the screenplay. It got chucked in the bin and then Stephen King wrote the screenplay Hollywood so dramatic and I mean props to Stephen King for his whole everything but a good screenwriter he is not no unfortunately um his dialogue is insanely bad lots of the time (laughs) 
But I still love this movie. It reminds me a lot of the dialogue in his books. No offense (laughs) to anyone. Uh, They're very entertaining. But yeah, it was good. It is a very good movie. I mean, yeah, I I really enjoy it. And the cinematography is nice. So it was directed ultimately, I guess, by Dan Attius. Um, But like I said, it was initially supposed to be directed by Don Coscarelli. And the reports really vary in terms of how much of it I guess it's sort of like a Toby Hooper, Steven Spielberg thing where uh, it's not really clear how much of the movie Coscarelli actually directed. He doesn't get a credit, but it is like rumored that he had he shot everything except for the werewolf scenes. I wonder how he feels about that. Not getting the credit. Probably good or else he would have fought for it. I guess. I don't know. Because I guess this movie took a really long time for them to film. <laughs> really? Because, well, they did. They started shooting and they didn't even have a werewolf makeup or anything yet. So they shot all of the non-werewolf scenes first. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in the other director because, again, Dino, Dino De Laurentiis hated the um, makeup effects that the makeup artist Carlo Rimbaldi did. So he he didn't like them and he didn't want to use them. But they were sort of at a make or break point yeah. and they were like either we cancel this movie or we go forward with the makeup that we have so they went forward with the makeup but he hated the makeup well i think that's bullshit because the, that, the effects in this movie are amazing they're phenomenal like a really good werewolf and the guy who did them carlo rimbaldi he also did like alien et doom yeah, so. and the 1976 king kong nice yeah so i He's like a, a pedigree. Yeah, household sort of. name in the world of uh, practical effects, maybe. Yeah. I don't um, know. So the movie not stars in that Corey Haim. Yep. He's not the one with the truth movement, though. The band with no, the lasers? That's, that's The other one. I yeah, always get the Corey Haim is the one who reason. has unfortunately died. Yes. Okay. Uh, also stars Gary Busey, Megan Follows, uh, Terry O'Quinn from The Stepfather, Everett McGill from The People Under the Stairs. Mm-hmm. So it's got like a pretty genre cast. Yeah. Which yeah. is good. Uh, yeah. So I guess we should just jump right into it. And jump right in we shall. Uh, so we open on spring. Well, I guess we don't open on that yet. We open on a shot of the full moon with the credits against it, which is a really big uh, F you to all the werewolves in the movie going audience, in my opinion. <laughs> do you think they can look at like a picture of the moon or do you think it has to no, be? No, it, it's it's the lunar cycle okay. specifically. It's not just seeing the moon. That makes sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's like a pretty boring opening credits to VH, um, but we see that it is spring 1976. Yeah. In Tarker's Mills, Maine. So we open on a railroad track where we get our first blood. Yep. Uh, we have a railway worker. He's singing. He's singing a beer theme song. And uh, pretty classic. Like, I don't know why so many of these people, if this is in Maine, have such like an intense southern accent. But Maine's not in the south? No. <laughs> I wonder if Stephen King, when he was writing this, knew about the weird train thing that this guy's riding around the rails on. I've never seen one before. Yeah. So but I like to think that he was like dead set. We have to get this train thing. <laughs> so he gets out uh, of his little train thing. Yeah, it's as the train Mitch thing. Calls it. It's a YTT yellow train thing. 
So he's there to, I guess, shovel off the railroad track. And uh, we get like a POV shot from our encroaching wolf. And the score, especially surrounding the wolf, is like very Jaws-like. Yeah, it is. It's like, da-da, da-da. Hunting. (laughs) Yeah, so he sneaks up behind uh, our railway worker here. Right when the railway worker happens upon a Bigfoot track that startles him. Very spooky. Yep. And then he gets crazy decapitated. Yep. And uh, naturally, the... um, coroner says well he must have fallen asleep on the rails and the the train just perfectly cleanly sliced his head off very neatly yes it's ruled an accident yeah Um, (laughs) so we cut to the med q drive local fair of tarker's mills Mm -hmm. we get a narration by an older version i guess Mm -hmm. of our character marty uh, his sister Jane. Yeah. So she serves as the narrator for this movie. It's a framing device. He's 11 and she's almost 15. Um, the sheriff is emceeing the event and we get to meet uh, the Reverend, Reverend Lowe, who gets to get a little word in. Yep. Uh, Jane goes off to meet with some boys. So she's like showing off mm-hmm. and. Uh, Marty, her paraplegic brother, and his friend Brady are plotting to scare her with a snake. Which they succeed in doing. Yes. Uh, They hang it down from a tree and Jane falls and she tears her hose. And like gets her, She. it looks like she rolled around in a big dirt pit. She looks like pig pen, basically. Well, yeah, because, um, so she gets, she falls down the first time, Mm -hmm. rips her hose, and then Brady throws the snake at her. So then she falls oh. down again, but this time she falls into a mud. How like did a I puddle. miss that? <laughs> hey, Jane, do you want your pants? Jane, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I didn't mean to. Oh, no. You never mean to. They hate you, you bugger. Brady seems like a great guy. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. But uh, we don't have to worry about that for much longer. Thankfully. Um, so Jane hates marty he's her cross to bear her parents are always shoving him in her face uh they treat him better than they treat her mm-hmm. a lot of it is expected of her in regards to like caring for her disabled brother and he gets a lot of allowances it seems yeah despite the fact that he's jacked and can apparently cl- climb trees and like monkey bars and everything all around yeah which i was pretty impressed by so he apologizes but she storms off she's obviously mad mm-hmm. and while she's stormed off um through the bushes she witnesses a conversation between two of our townsfolk one of whom is named stella mm-hmm. um so stella is trying to explain to this gent that she's pregnant and the baby is his but he is refusing to accept responsibility for the baby he's having none of it I told you, babe, it ain't my baby. Don't you ever drag Please me don't off like say that, that again. You know it's your baby. Look, you know we had this conversation before. Sorry, babe. I have to have some help. I don't it's know your what oven, to but it ain't my bun. You got bacon in there, huh? Uh, See you. You have to help me. Some excellent Stephen King rejoiners right there. Yeah. Can you imagine saying that to a woman? Terrible. No, but I mean, terrible, terrible. Yeah. I guess that's why she has a hard time following it. (laughs) Definitely. We cut to Jane and Marty's family driving away. 
and uh, Jane's parents are like, just give your brother some slack. He's already apologized for embarrassing you in front of potential suitors. Yeah, they have a lot of expectations about how Jane should be treating her brother. Um, and they have a beautiful house. Yeah, like it's a it's massive really nice. country home. Um, again, they make Jane help her brother um, wheel him in. Yeah. Get out of the car and into the house. While she's doing this, um, she decides to take a little jab at Marty. And uh, she starts cutting down their uncle who's coming, Uncle Red, Mm -hmm. uh, their mom's brother. And uh, so Jane says that he's just a drunk. He's His wife has left him, but Marty idolizes him. And uh, so he's a little upset by hearing all of this about his uncle. Yeah. And his uncle's also the person that built him his crazy, like, motorized wheelchair that he uses to scoot around at high speeds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that night, uh, Jane is asleep, and Marty comes into her room because he's trying to make amends. He's brought her some money to pay for a new pair of hose, or as she calls them, a new pair of legs, <laughs> which... I like referencing yeah. the paraplegic brother. She's so nice. She doesn't even take all the money because she doesn't need all of it. And they sort of ma- they make up. Yeah, they make up. We cut to same night. Uh, our woman from earlier, uh, who the pregnant woman who was rejected by the baker of the bun. Yep, Stella. Uh, she is angrily and very sadly uh, pouring out pills and taking them one by one. Yeah, well, her mother is downstairs uh, playing church music on the piano. Yeah. Very loudly. Very loudly. Uh, So she doesn't hear what's going on upstairs. And uh, the woman upstairs says, like, oh, you know, it's suicide. It's going to be twice as bad because I'm Uh, pregnant. Suicides go to hell, especially if they're pregnant, is what she says. Uh, Just as the wolf breaks in from the back window and starts ripping her to literal shreds it's very like more graphic than i was anticipating for this movie even though we've watched a couple times i always forget like you see her skin ripped by the claws yeah it's very yeah it's spooky it's good uh her mother grabs her smith and wesson and yeah runs upstairs runs upstairs to try and interrupt but obviously it's too late by the time she gets in Mm -hmm. stella is dead yeah lying on her back on the bed and the mom has a really good scream. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I'm justifiably so. <laughs> the locals hanging out at the bar are getting pretty riled up and amped about this whole situation. Um, they want just they demand justice. Yeah. And the sheriff isn't bringing that justice. He's sleeping on the job. Andy, our instigator, mm-hmm. uh really seems to have it out for the sheriff. He's got a lot of colorful metaphors and similes for the sheriff's lack of due diligence as well. Uh, he's trying to rally a mob, and then uh, he threatens the this, like, bartender. No. He threatens, like, an accountant guy, sort of, like mm-hmm. a nerdy dweeb at the bar, and then the bartender interrupts him with his baseball bat that has the peacemaker carved into it yeah and big block letters so andy uh backs off yeah you two want to fight i'm gonna beat both of you to death instead <laughs> and then i get to be the winner because it's my bar he doesn't say any of that but i like to imagine that that's what he's thinking 
at our local school. Classes are wrapping up, and Marty and his girlfriend and uh, Brady are just leaving school. Mm -hmm. They call his chair the silver bullet because it's silver. He's Madman Marty on the silver bullet. Pretty big coincidence that there would be a werewolf in the town where this paraplegic kid's chair is called the silver bullet. And it moves super fast. Yeah. It's very convenient. Very convenient. Uh, Yeah. So he bikes home with... uh, Who I've written in all my notes as Grimes, because she looks exactly like Grimes. (laughs) Thanks for coming home with me, Marty. I was scared to go past your house by myself. Yeah, it is a little scary. I mean, I saw her all the time. Hey, take it easy. I know how you feel. There's something else scary. What? That. I've been hearing noises out there. Emma! Get on in here! Help your so she's telling on. him uh, about something that's in her woodshed yeah there's scary shed slash uh greenhouse with a lot of ferns in it yeah she's she's been hearing noises in there at night um and she gives him a kiss to bid him adieu as her white trash dad is like yelling at her to get back in the house i think he says something like damn crippled always end up on welfare Anyone who's crippled ends up on welfare anyways. Yeah. Which is a pretty bold statement. Cripples always end up on welfare. Pretty bold statement to make. Uh, And um, he gets out of there. Yeah. Marty drives off. And uh, unfortunately, he's running running low on gas. Mm -hmm. So he stops in at the service station uh, before heading home so he can load up. Yeah. And this is where we get introduced to the concept that... uh, you know, uh, Marty needs to keep it topped up at all times or else it could... It comes back later into play is what I'm saying. So Red is uh, hanging out with Marty back at Marty's place, Marty's parents' place. They're playing poker, cracking jokes about donkeys. There's a guy sitting in a bar. The bartender says, hey, jackass, give me a drink. So the bartender pours him a drink. He drinks it. Sits there for a while. Says, hey, jackass, pour me another drink. So he pours another drink. The guy gets up and leaves. The guy that's sitting there says, hey, why do you let him call you jackass all the time? The bartender says, oh, he, oh, he, oh, he always calls me that. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you might as well fold because you don't stand a Chinaman's chair. Uh, Uncle Red is telling some pretty spicy jokes. Classic Stephen King. And uh, Nan, their mom, is not pleased at all. She really wants Marty to go to bed and uh, crashes the party. Yeah, and she's... She's like actively physically removing Marty from the room. She's got her hands on his wheelchair. She's pushing him towards the acorn stairlift. And eventually she just like tosses him in it and sends him upstairs. Yeah, he slowly, extremely slowly moves up. It's great. And all the while he and Uncle Red are doing this like cute little back and forth With their faces. Yeah. This gives mom and uncle red a time to fight yeah i don't want you drinking around marty don't be telling me what to do you've been telling me what to do all my life red i don't care how you live but he is a very impressionable little boy you know you think your only responsibility is getting his butt out of the chair and into the tub and out of the chair and onto the toilet 
And you ought to realize there's more to Marty than him not being able to walk. So easy for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You blow in here once a month, and you tell a few jokes, and you have a few beers, and then you want to lecture me about how to raise my son. Well, I am the one who is responsible for how he feels when he sees you like this, and how he feels when you leave. Red, Marty has enough strikes against him as it is. He doesn't have any strikes against him. That I am scared to death that someday he is just going to give up. He's not going to give up. Well, he doesn't need you showing him how to do it. Don't drink anymore around him. And then he's like, don't control me. Uh, even though she's making a completely normal request of not to get blotto around her son. Yeah, well, Red also brings up good points that she's coddling uh, Marty and that she needs to let him sort of make mistakes and that sort of thing. Oh, definitely. Uh, and she says that she doesn't need Red to show Marty how to give up. Yeah. Which is a pretty damning thing to say to your brother, but in the heat of the moment. Cut back to Grimes' dad's house, clearly drunk. Uh, he is watching TV wrestling and shouting, bust his chops repeatedly. Bust his ass. Oh, bust his ass. Nice. Yeah. And uh, when he watches some dude get like pile drive, he's like, ooh, that hurts my parts. Very <laughs> strange. Very strange. I mean, granted, I yell at the TV when we're watching bad reality TV too, so who am I to judge? There is a commotion from outside, a noise coming from the shed. So naturally, he goes to his gun rack and selects his favorite gun off of it. Yeah, he's going to go investigate like any sort of smart person. And going to load up this guy with uh, shotgun shells filled with rock salt, which is pretty, pretty hardcore. I mean, regular bullets hurt too, but rock salt, you do you. So he goes out to the shed which has very dramatic lighting. And he's walking through like this greenhouse. It's sort of like a deceptively small from outside. And then inside it's this like huge greenhouse. Filled with ferns. Apparently this guy fucking loves ferns. He's all about ferns. There's like a jump scare with a bat. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And uh, oh, it was a spider, a dramatic spider. Ah, spider. Huge spider that I've never seen in person. You know, doing what spiders do, waiting until the peak of moment to just descend on that single strand of thread to scare you. He didn't shoot the spider, though, which tells me he wasn't prepared to actually confront whoever <laughs> it was. The whole place starts shaking, and uh, it's not a good sign for our drunk father here. We get some POV shots from underneath his feet through the floorboards, and we can tell that the werewolf is lurking underneath, ready to rise up, which he does, and then sucks Grimes' dad down into a hellish oblivion. Well, first, the dad gets impaled on a floorboard. Oh, does he? Yeah. Missed and that then too. he gets pulled down into nice, the... Nice, nice, nice. That's good. It'd be too bad if he just got sucked down. Yep. Yeah. You got to add a little bit of flair to it. Next morning in the news, Maniac claims another victim. The sheriff has instituted a curfew for the town, and we get like a montage of suns. It's like a pretty cheesy montage of like the, the sun setting as everyone is like creeping in and creeping home. Like furtively glancing yeah. over their shoulders, like getting a, their Remington shotguns. A mother comes out and scoops up her child in a hurry from the, <laughs> the sidewalk to bring him in. Like, oh shit, it's... 
immediately as soon as the curfew's done, this is when it's going to happen. He's like on the seven, o- seven yeah. o'clock, whole world goes to shit. Yep. I got to get my kid inside before the purge. The way that it should be. God damn it. <laughs> Jane and Marty are out past curfew because uh, Jane has had to come get Marty from flying kites with Brady. And naturally, their mom blames Jane for not having the wherewithal to collect Marty in the first place. Mm -hmm. So Jane takes him away, um, but Brady decides to stay because he wants to fly his yellow smiley face kite some more. Uh, And uh, which he does. So he's like entranced by it. He's like barely paying attention to anything else. Uh, And we cut from the kite scene to the bar. Yes, it's later at the bar. Um, The gun shop owner, Andy is trying to rile up the crowd mm-hmm. again. And uh, he and the deputy are about to fight when Brady's dad comes in from behind them to ask if anybody's seen his son. Has anyone seen my son, Brady? I love how this argument seems to be just ongoing, like it picks up exactly where it left off. <laughs> the previous night, the previous month, it's unclear how time progresses because... Obviously, you can't be a werewolf if it's not a full moon. Or no, in this case, he can. Yeah. Okay. So in the park, the sheriff is saying a prayer as he carries the yellow smiley face kite that's drenched in blood. Drenched in blood. Away from a gazebo in the background. The murder gazebo. And the... Brady's father has followed. He's very serious. He's got like well, a... yeah, the, the deputy and Brady's father have arrived. And he has to see inside this murder gazebo, even though it's pretty clear what has happened. But yeah, parents anguish. And he sees his son ripped apart underneath the tarp. Yeah, he freaks out. He does a really good job, I thought, the actor. Yeah, that's one thing I do really like about this movie is the emotional response. Yeah, all of the reactions seemed very like naturalistic to me, it seemed made it more scary yeah um so we cut straight from there to brady's funeral the whole town is there while our pastor tries to offer some words of comfort that he knows won't work uh he says the face of the beast always becomes known and the time of the beast always passes which is very ominous yeah we see red pull a flask out of his chest pocket but he decides not to drink it. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the first time we see him like putting his nephew's needs in front of his own mm-hmm. alcoholism. Um, yeah, so after the funeral, Red is going to take Marty home by himself because he feels like Marty probably needs to talk to him as a friend. Yeah, because it's his friend who died, Marty's friend who died. So they get in uh, Red's drop top and they're driving away. And... Uh, and uh, Marty brings up, you know, what if it's not a guy? What if it's a monster? Yeah. What if it's a werewolf? And Red is pretty quick to dismiss that, as he does many times throughout yeah. the movie. Because psychotics are more active in the moonlight. <laughs> to which I say, why not both? True. Yeah. In yeah. response to uh, Brady's murder, our bar locals, again, I don't know if that these people ever leave the bar, um, or so change clothes. They are planning a trip into the woods to go hunt for the wolf. 
Well, they don't really know. A maniac, I think they think. The murderer. The murderer. So they are fully exercising their Second Amendment rights as Americans. They are iced out in weaponry, if you will. The sheriff comes up and he wants them to stop. Obviously, he tries to uh, kill the vibe. But um, Brady's dad is also there. And he interrupts the sheriff. Shut up, Andy. No, don't tell me to shut up. Yes. Shut up. I just came from my boy's funeral. Herb? Herb, I know how upset. How grief-stricken you must be. He was torn apart. I know that. I... Upset. Grief-stricken? You don't know what those words mean. My son was torn to pieces. Pieces? My son was torn to pieces! You come in here and talk to these men about private justice. You dare to do that. Up yours, Mr. Policeman. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, it's it's sort of like the, the mom in Jaws who yeah. slaps the sheriff. There's actually a very similar like parallels between this and Jaws, I thought. Like it's almost like Jaws with a werewolf. Now that you mention it, there really is. Like even that like scene of all the villagers being furtive. Yeah, like the the plot progression is pretty close. Yeah. And when they harpoon <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but you're exactly right, and I hadn't thought of that before. That's really interesting, actually. We should uh, look more into that. So the sheriff backs down and the uh, the crowd, the militia heads off the reverend is outside he's trying to stop them but obviously they aren't listening because they're got their guns and they're gonna go shoot him up and he is like super pleading he like like he's begging for his life please please don't go like dude you're really invested in this for some reason yeah so then we cut to the extremely foggy forest Mm -hmm. like like Halloween VX fog <laughs> where a guy gets stuck in a bear trap. I think it's the same guy who um, tried to instigate with Andy the previous night. Yeah. That the peacekeeper got mm-hmm. in between. Um, so he gets stuck in a bear trap and the rest of this ragtag team of locals are wandering around the forest and they hear a noise and Andy is determined that he's going to get this guy. Yeah, by hook or by crook. And one of the townsfolk comments that he's going to make lemonade in his pants. Which is bizarre, but sure. Yeah, this honestly, <laughs> this whole scene is, the dialogue is really bad. There's a lot of slapstick it's, it's comedy ex- in Yeah, it it's like extremely over the top. It's almost like a parody. Yeah, like when the guy's foot gets caught in the trap. Uh, the other guy goes to undo it, but then gets distracted and it gets like snapped up yeah, again. It reminds me of um, Maximum Overdrive, kind yeah. of, where it's like, we made you! Yeah. Like that sort of level of just like character. Oh, definitely, definitely. Caricature. 
by the time everyone sort of gets back up to deal with this mysterious noise that they hear, uh, the fog is like up to their chest. Yeah. It's really high. They hear a growling Mm -hmm. and realize that the wolf is, or again, I guess they don't know it's a wolf, Mm -hmm. but we know it's a wolf. So we're just going to refer to it as a wolf. I like it. They realize that the wolf is under the fog. Ah, there's nowhere they can go because I don't think any of them can fly. Well, one of them gets thrown uh, into a tree (laughs) and impaled, and then the next guy gets pulled under, and half of his head gets ripped off. Uh, So they start running away. Mm -hmm. Our bartender tries to beat up the werewolf with with the peacemaker. And he's the last one. He goes down swinging. He hits it like seven times very slowly as it goes on. And then the wolf gets... The, the bat and then beats him to death with the bat yep cut to mass funeral in the church where the reverend's presiding over what like five or seven caskets yeah, they're they're all singing the whole crew and they're uh, like waving back and forth the, aren't they? yeah the reverend is at the front and they're all sort of staring at him unusually as he's like doing bible verses and whatever you do at a funeral Kincaid is like shell-shocked and he stands up and he says, There is no comfort. <laughs> there is only private justice. The Bible t- tells us not to fear the, the terror that creepeth by night or that which flieth by noonday. And yet we do. We do. Because there's so much we don't know. And we feel and very small. And the whole crowd starts transforming into Reverend, werewolves. Quite he was torn apart! So I guess for this scene, they had 70 uh, extras and they were grouped into various like makeup stages. Okay. Just so like to get variety within That's the crew. Awesome. And then there were like 10 featured actors who had like close-ups. Nice. Yeah. And, and the werewolf effects in this are just as good as they are throughout the rest of the movie. Like they put a lot of effort into this scene. Uh, so they... ev- everyone becomes a werewolf. Yeah. They start overtaking the reverend. And uh, then he screams and wakes up. It yeah. was all a dream. Isn't that always the case? You're, you're in a good dream, and just then you wake up. <laughs> uh, the Coslaws have arrived at uh, the fairgrounds, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, they see that the fireworks are canceled. And the whole fairground is chain-link yeah, fenced it's up. It's all locked up. Yeah. Which... I love the idea of renting a whole carnival to set it all up and then no one uses it. It's hilarious for this movie. Um, well, they can't use it, right? Like, they don't know what's... Their whole town's getting cut up. Yeah, but also just, like, for the for the movie itself. Just, okay, build this carnival and put a fence in front of it. Oh, We're only going to use it for 30 seconds. <laughs> like, it's fine. I don't know. It's a lot of work. Maybe they have it. It's, like, one of those set paintings. I don't know. It's par for the course, though, because we see that... It's 
basically a ghost town. The streets are totally empty except for the Kozlov's car as it drives home. And whoever else is left is in the process of leaving. Back at their home, uh, Marty is talking to his uncle about how pissed he is about the fireworks. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's like really going off on, on Jane, says she's acting like nobody had tits before her. Which is a pretty spicy thing to say, IMHO. Yeah. But when you're when you're shooting the shit with your uncle, I guess everything's on the table. <laughs> Marty, it's his lucky day though, because Uncle Red has been working on a little something for him. So he lifts the garage door, mm-hmm. unveiling the silver bullet in its newest iteration. Yeah. Silver Bullet V2. Yeah, he's pimped it. He's pimped it out. It's got. It, it, it's essentially like a cross between a tricycle and a wheelchair and a motorcycle. Yeah, all mixed in to one, and it's got like red flames on it. Yeah, it's. I guess it's kind of like a, a motorcycle sidecar with a motor. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, Red says it's an ass kicker, isn't it? <laughs> Feel like a virgin on prom night. <laughs> So Marty takes it for a ride. Uh, he he loves it. He's popping wheelies. He's doing the evil Knievel thing. Overtaking cars to this like nutso 80s guitar riff. It's a truly ludicrous scene. Yeah, the, his, it's so freaking fast. It's, it's like faster fast. than cars. Uh, this was an irresponsible gift, in uh, my opinion. Werewolves aside, very irresponsible. So he goes for a little loop to test it out and he gets back home to the family barbecue that I guess they're having to make up for the fact that the, the fair was canceled. Yeah. Good good poultice on top of a fair. What's what's better than a fair? Barbecue. Uh, and uh, Uncle Red says, okay, we gotta get back or your mom's gonna make me a soprano in the Italian choir or something. Like A lot of sex-related jokes with your younger... <laughs> Uh, with your nephew yeah so red says that he's leaving because he is heading off he comes to visit once a month Mm -hmm. and uh so he asks marty to escort him to his car uh and then he gives marty a shit ton of fireworks he tells uh marty to he gives him like sound advice tells him to stick close to the house or his mom would like you said yeah and um it's like a bunch of Roman candles and then one super fancy firework, which is a rocket on a stick. It's not clear how Marty's mom would actually think about this gift, but we'd never get to find out. Later that night, Marty sneaks out of the house. He climbs down the side of his house uh, using only his upper body strength, carrying the fireworks, and he hops into the silver bullet, which is waiting right at the bottom of the trellis. For him, yep. he takes it to a, a, a bridge and decides to stop in the middle of it to light his fireworks, which he does, alerting. Well, yeah, he's screaming the whole time, <laughs> alerting our nearby uh, creature of the night, the werewolf, yeah. who just happens to have been lurking around this bridge, anyways. Well, what I'm, else are you gonna I'm do? I'm sure he uh, he heard all the hooting and hollering that. And the explosions. Yeah, and yeah. the explosions. <laughs> and every time he sets one off, Marty, like, claps and goes, woohoo! Yeah. Never found fireworks that exciting, but that's just me. <laughs> Give me a sparkler any old day. 
So yeah. be hooting and hollering. The Jaws music kicks in again, and uh, we see him sort of start to creep towards Marty, uh, getting closer and closer until finally Marty sees him and sets off his rocket right into the werewolf's eye. Yep. Directly. Um, and very convenient uh, that he <laughs> managed to hit him and also that this werewolf was perfectly silent. But I guess they're apex predators. I don't know much about werewolves, really, if I'm being honest. And it was probably disguised by the sound of A, Marty hollering, and <laughs> B, the fireworks. The fireworks. Now I'm forgetting about the fireworks. Thankfully, Marty is in a extremely fast motorcycle, and he can just sort of zip away. Yeah, so he speeds off, and uh, the wolf pulls the rocket out of his eye, and uh, Marty has gotten home. Mm-hmm. So he, I guess, has climbed up the trellis again using his upper body strength and he sort of wraps himself in a blanket in the corner of his room and he's terrified understandably so yeah because he was right he guessed it right it is a werewolf so he calls his uncle red on the phone waking him up and uh i can't remember really what he says to him other than like well it's a werewolf and then red doesn't believe him right well we don't i don't think we hear I don't think it shows Marty talking to him. It no, just shows yeah, right. Uncle Red's side of the conversation. But Red obviously doesn't believe him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut from there to Jane coming up on a despondent Marty and asking if he's okay. Um, and then he decides to tell her about the werewolf situation. And the narrator says that she believed it. Most of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the two of them know that they need to figure out who it is. And now it's going to be a lot easier for them to figure out who the werewolf is because all she has to do is find someone who's missing an eye. Mm -hmm. And there are apparently none of those in town already. Very convenient. So uh, also very conveniently, they're doing a bottle and can drive in the city. Well, yeah, it's it's the MedQ can drive. This has been set up since the very first oh, scene. I see. Like when they were in the park, there's like a whole banner on the stage where the sheriff was talking and everything. So it's an annual event in this town. Yeah. Big news. Uh, and Jane is going around not just collecting cans, but also laying her eyes on other people's eyes to see if they're missing an eye. So we get another montage of her going around to all the neighbors who we sort of saw earlier furtively running away. And she even goes to, like, local businesses, I I guess, presuming that they would have cans. I think the bar yeah. is a pretty good place to go true. and check if they have bottles or cans. Very true. And I guess the barbershop, too. Yeah, you never makes know. Sense. So those are, like, the two main businesses that she goes to. There's a guy under a towel in the barbershop yeah, that she, like... it's Andy. Peels the towel off of. It's the, the gunshot guy. <laughs> or, not gunshot guy, but, like, the... the guy, guy from who, the bar. Yeah. So, um... No luck. All these people have eyes. So she brings the cans that she's collected back to the church. She's very dejected. And uh, as she's talking to the reverend, we see that the reverend is the one missing an eye. But we don't really see that because he's got his back to her this whole time. No, it shows him from the front to show that he's missing an eye. So she doesn't see it. She doesn't see it. We see it. That's what I meant. And then uh, she goes to the garage to dump off all of her recyclables. Yeah, so she opens the storage uh, garage and she starts unloading cans when what is supposed to be a mouse, but is definitely 100% a gerbil, scares her. (laughs) 
And uh, she falls back onto the cans and she uncovers the remains of the peacemaker mm-hmm. in, in this big bat. pile yeah. of cans. I think she she later says that it's like Bigfoot used it for a toothpick. Mm-hmm. Um, so the guy, Mr. Reverend Man, Reverend Lowe, sneaks up behind her. And, surprises um, her and when she turns around and sees that he's missing an eye she herself is surprised yeah and he says jane you're trembling why jane you're trembling i don't feel well i think maybe i got too much sun well would you like to come in the parlor lie down for a bit no i'll have a cold drink i have some soda I think I should get home and help my mom with dinner. I'll give you a ride. No. Give my best to your brother, Jane. I will. He's basically just trying to get her alone, but she's smart and she just keeps saying no, no, no. She does a good job at pretending to be a really bad actress in this scene. (laughs) (laughs) Totally believable, not being believable. And uh, back at the house, back at the ranch, Marty's asking her, oh, what did you do then? Uh, and what are we going to do now? Yeah, so they don't really know what to do. Well, they do the only rational thing. Yeah, Marty says he ha- he thinks he has an idea. So he makes this, like, Unabomber-style uh, magazine cutout note. Like it's a ransom, like your classic ransom letter. Yeah, uh, that says they know what's up with Mr. Mr. Wolf. Yeah, I know who you are. I know what you do. Why don't you just go kill yourself? Yeah. So Jane mails it. And then we see the reverend who's now sporting a pirate-like eye patch. Mm -hmm. He's upgraded. He's seething while he reads it. Later they tell Red. They give him a sort of rundown of their werewolf infestation. And uh, he's pretty not nonplussed that they are sending threats to to people in the mail yeah he doesn't believe them um he thinks it's a hallucination but despite his objections he caves and they go to stake out the church for a little bit and uh while they're outside the church they see the reverend acting suspicious Uh, he's just like sign painting i think right yeah yeah but they see that he's missing the eye Yeah, nothing really happens. And then there's like a really awkward cut to Marty watching uh, baseball players running around very enviously. Yeah, Yeah. he's like uh, scoping out their legs, wishing that he too had working legs to Mm -hmm. play baseball. Um, From behind him, much like the the fin in Jaws, Mm -hmm. we see the reverend's car start to like pull into frame in the background and his car is like it's like a shark blue gray car too now that you mention it marty obviously not thinking with his mirrors does not notice the car pull up behind him he decides to to head home and our reverend follows him so it turns into a kind of duel where marty's being chased and uh, the reverend is hitting him with the car repeatedly, trying to run yeah, him off he's the road. To run him off the road like a jerk. We come to yet another bridge in town, different bridge than earlier, covered bridge that's so covered that it doesn't even have an entrance or exit anymore. It's been boarded off. Yeah, Marty uh, ducks into the bridge to go hide mm-hmm. after uh, 
the Reverend almost has a head-on collision with another truck, so that sort of gives him an opportunity to get away. And he, Marty, at that point, runs out of fuel halfway across this bridge. Yep. And uh, our Reverend pulls up, starts coming in behind, Mm -hmm. and uh, delivers some of his uh, modus operandi. I'm very sorry about this, Marty. I don't know if you believe that or not, but it's true. I'd never never willingly willingly kill a child. child. Please, I won't tell anyone. You should have left me alone, Marty. I can't kill myself. Our religion teaches that suicide is the greatest sin a man or a woman can commit. Stella was going to commit suicide, and if she had done so, she would be burning in hell right now. By killing her, I took her physical life, but I saved her life eternal. You see how all things serve the will and the mind of God. You see, you meddling little shit! You're gonna have a terrible accident, Marty. You're gonna fall in the river. So he explains that he killed Stella because he took her physical life to save her life eternal because suicides go to hell. Um, but it doesn't actually seem like he believes this. This is just like... I feel like that's just something he tells himself. Yeah, he's trying to convince himself. Like, what the hell is the train guy and the train things deal? <laughs> he's an alcoholic. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he was drinking himself to death is what the idea was. I, I The don't Reverend, know. our point is, is not very logically consistent yeah. with his motivations here. <laughs> There is a farmer who pulls out with his tractor onto the road in front of the bridge. Mr. And Biederman. Zimmer, Zimmerman. Zimmerman, yeah. yeah. Um, Marty starts screaming, and uh, thankfully the farmer hears him just in the nick of time and uh, shuts off his tractor mm-hmm. and starts talking to Marty. And the reverend has already backed off and yeah. gotten S- back in his slunk truck. Slunk away. So Uncle finally at this point uh comes around to believing them when marty points out there's this giant well i i don't think marty points it out but he discovers that there's a giant paint transfer on the silver bullet yeah from where the reverend uh smashed into marty's silver bullet Mm -hmm. um he sees the the paint and he asks jane what color the reverend's car is she says blue so he puts two and two together and then he's he doesn't believe in the werewolf thing mm-hmm. yet, but he does believe that the Reverend is trying to hurt yeah. Marty. Yeah. So they do the responsible thing, which I'm sort of surprised that Red did, and go to the sheriff. Yeah. Um, the sheriff doesn't believe him for some reason, nope. but he's out of options. He's out of leads. He has no other anything, really. And you feel bad for him because, like, why would he ever think oh it's probably a werewolf doing this he's like looking for a human there's no way he's gonna find out so he does the smart thing and goes by himself yeah to scope out to look for the peacemaker he's poking around the shed full of bottles and cans uh he doesn't find the bat i don't think but he does notice the paint transfer on the reverend's car from the silver bullet oh does he yeah because the car is parked in in the can area ah gotcha um, so he gets uh, caught by the reverend, mm-hmm. 
creeping out of the shadows. Yeah, the and, Reverend has the Peacemaker. Yeah, which he uses to swat the pistol out of uh, the sheriff's hand. And then he gets his... This is the first transformation scene other than the, the church that we get. So we get to see the Reverend transforming into the werewolf. It is pretty gnarly. It, it's really nice. And it, it looks like it hurts, too, yeah, which is good. The practical effects are awesome. Uh, so he beats the living shit out of the the sheriff he like mm-hmm. bashes his head in which it, is very graphic too much yeah. like the the slicing earlier does it afterwards he's like it, it's not my fault it's not my fault or something like that yeah yeah it, i don't know it's pretty gnarly and mm-hmm. like you said the visual effects are like very good yeah marty has decided uh well since the sheriff is now missing after we told him this we have to melt down our jewelry to make a silver bullet to kill the werewolf. So Marty volunteers his medallion and mm-hmm. Jane gives her cross necklace um, to be melted down. Is that called smelting? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. To get uh, turned into a silver bullet. And our old Uncle Red takes it to uh, a wizard of weapons, yeah, as he, he calls it. So him. he brings it to the gun shop and uh, the guy he tries to play it off like oh my nephew just got really into the lone ranger yeah. blah 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 ha, ha, ha. and but the the gun shop gun shop guy knows that he he's aiming to get a silver bullet yeah um and he's totally on board you want a silver bullet huh huh the man uncle red had gone to see was more than a gunsmith he was uncle red said an old world craftsman, a sort of wizard of weapons. He confirmed the high grade silver content of my crucifix and Marty's medallion, melted them down, and molded them into a silver bullet. Marty had read all the legends about werewolves. And though they differed on several minor points, they all agreed on one. It takes silver to kill a werewolf. And we were taking no chances. There it is. Nicest piece of work I ever done, I think. Um, he seems to be uh, in on the fact that it's a werewolf. Yeah, though. like he definitely. seems that seems to be something that he's like sort of figured out for and himself. He's down for it. Yeah, I guess he's like a magical character, really. Yeah, yeah. I like, uh, there's always one of those yeah, in, yeah. in those books. But um, the he, next full moon. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying that the Wizard of Weapons hand, handing the bullet to Red reverentially, reverentially says. I think this is the finest work I've ever done. Yeah. Like you, I'm sure you make guns and shit too, dude. <laughs> like don't sell yourself short here. Uh, naturally the next full moon is on, on Halloween. Halloween, which I don't know that that's possible. We should look that up. Actually. I really don't think, I think full moons happen in the middle of the month. Okay. We looked it up. Mm-hmm. It does happen. But it's like once every 20 years, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. so the last one for us in our lives mm-hmm. was 2001, and then the next one is 2020. Yeah. So 
get your silver bullets ready. Yeah. It was our first uh, post-9-11 Halloween full moon. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to 1976. Uh, it's Halloween, and Red has sent uh, the kid's parents on a romantic getaway that he claims that he won. I think it's to New York or something. Yeah, it, it's uh, he says he won. I think he the publisher's clearinghouse or something to go to New York. Um, the mom is like super stoked on it. Yeah, she's not, she hasn't been this happy the entire movie, if ever. <laughs> and after they send their parents on their way, we cut to three in the morning. They're all passed out, waiting to be attacked by the werewolf. Yeah, uh, they all get awakens when red cigarette burns down to the nub burning his finger thankfully not the house down yeah Yeah. which jane says they're all getting ready to go to bed because red is like i give up it's 2 50 in the morning like this is a wild goose chase yeah this obviously isn't gonna happen um but then jane sees the werewolf in the window she like screams yeah rightly so and uh doesn't like Red say something like, oh, you're tricking me. He just, he sees this as further confirmation that the werewolf isn't coming or isn't real. So he goes to check the window and he doesn't see anything. But so he takes the silver bullet out of the gun. Smart move. And this was a point that I was not very happy about in the movie. Because like, if I had one silver bullet, I think it would be my second shot. Just in case. <laughs> I guess <laughs> Just that, in case you missed the first one. <laughs> yeah, that's a smart idea. Um, then the werewolf cuts the power. Mm-hmm. As werewolves are known to do. And uh, Ray or Red is just like, well, you know, it could just be a blown fuse. <laughs> yeah, he still doesn't believe it uh, until they see like a shadow down the hall. Mm-hmm. And so Red focuses on that and from behind him. The werewolf jumps through the wall. Sort of does like a bear hug through the wall to to capture him. Yeah. It's all in slow motion. It knocks the gun and the bullet out of his hand. And Marty does like a slow motion reach forward to try mm-hmm. and grab the bullet no. as it falls. Um, he's unsuccessful and it ends up rolling down into the vent. Which is not good. So we're still doing the slow motion werewolf fight. And... Uh, Eventually, you know, while Red is holding the werewolf off, Marty's able to, or Jane, I don't remember which, they stick their hands down Marty, there. Marty and, does, because he has small hands. True, very small hands. Manages to reload the bullet, manages to aim the gun, and shoots the werewolf directly in his other eye. Yeah. Which is just adding insult to injury. Yeah, Red really got thrown around in that scene, too. Mm-hmm. He gets, like, thrown into armoires and hutches. The parents are going to be pretty disappointed when they come home and find a dead priest in their entire living room set destroyed. (laughs) And we get another great piece of special effects because after the Reverend dies, uh, he unwerewolves back into a human. Yeah, he transitioning. And it is really good. It's like uh, the hair sucks back into his body. Like hundreds of individual hairs they got. That must have taken a long time to set up. It's a really good shot. Uh, Then he jumps up for one final scare completely unnecessarily <laughs> and then he just falls back there dead. um and then marty the jokester jane are you all right don't worry he's dead marty are you all right 
for my legs. What? I don't think I can walk. <laughs> I love you, Jimmy. I love you, too. I wasn't always able to say that. But I can say it now. I love you too, Marty. Good night. So, do you think Marty died? I have... I guess. At some point. Also, okay, so this movie was made in 1985. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the voiceover artists that they've chosen to voice adults... Mm -hmm. Uh, Jane sounds like she's like 60 years old yeah when really she would be okay so she was 14 plus 9 Four, 24 23 yeah. 23 24 yeah. so it's it's it is really weird <laughs> and like you would think Mari probably wouldn't have died between that time I don't know if he's still living at home <laughs> whatever um I also 1976 it did not seem like it was said yeah no they it's like they abandoned that halfway through especially the cars yeah. i think the reverend's car could be wrong but i don't know i think the cars looked pretty mm-hmm. there's lots of like station wagony sort of things yeah, 76 is almost 80 when you round up yeah but then like the yeah i was thinking about that too because a lot of it i was like man like this the hair and the clothes seem mm-hmm. so weird but then i was thinking like okay 2008 yeah <laughs> yeah was not really that different <laughs> and worlds away from yeah fashion right now <laughs> over the credits we get an awesome guitar song the guy is like uh i'm asking for a wish come true take me on a joy ride fly me to the moon like completely <laughs> other than other than no he doesn't even reference the moon he just says uh Let's fly away, catch me. Nothing to do with werewolves. I was hoping for a werewolf theme song, or at least Halloween themed or something. Yeah, like Silver Bullet. Do. Silver Bullet song. Ooh, ooh, Silver Bullet. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I don't sing. It was really bad. Um. So yeah. Do you have any hot trivia? Well, there was like a trepidatious uh, production for this, which mm-hmm. I sort of talked about earlier. I'm not really going to talk about it very much True. because I couldn't find any um, deeper information. But um, this movie has a lot of tropes. Hell yeah, it does. So I went on good old tvtropes.com. And so I'm going to talk about this list. Okay. So examples of TV tropes or movie tropes mm-hmm. in general in this film. We've got the action survivor, Marty. He's the only person that actually injures the werewolf. And then yeah, he, true. he kills him. So he's the only one that does any sort of damage mm-hmm. to our werewolf man, which is uh, not bad for like a wheelchair kid. Yeah. Uh, we have adaptational badass. And like the werewolf, I guess, fits this trope because of his method of dealing with the militia that was hunting him down on the full moon. So in the novelization... He leaves town for the night. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And in this one, he like... Uses the fog to his advantage. He uses the, the fog and he kills them. Yeah. So uh, that's like a difference in the adaptation mm-hmm. versus the source material. 
Um, and then there's also the adaptation-induced plot hole, uh, which is the same. He goes to the woods to confront the hunters when they go looking for him, when he could have easily avoided them. Um, yeah. yeah. Just spend a quiet night in. Have some tea. Uh, we've got adult fear. When Brady's dad comes into the local bar and asks if anyone's seen his son. Mm-hmm. Um, we have always chaotic evil because the werewolf becomes more and more violent as the full moon draws near. And it's uh, implied that he is unable to control his urge to kill. So we have the asshole victim. At least two of the victims fall into that category. Uh, The first was the alcoholic father. uh, And then the second was the bar yokels. But yeah, like you said, I would say that there were three because definitely I would say Brady was an asshole. He's a real asshole. I would say he falls into that for sure. Rude. Uh, the bear trap there's a bear trap mm-hmm. uh, the Cassandra truth trope <laughs> that's so true so once Marty's see well they say that it was averted and it makes sense because uh, once Marty's seen the creature the people he trusts do in fact believe him mm-hmm. next we have crouching moron hidden badass <laughs> that being red obviously he's a bumbling idiot throughout all of the movie until it comes time to defend his fam in which case, bare knuckle brawling. Death by pragmatism. Tell me about that one. Uh, well, the sheriff out of Leeds oh. <laughs> goes to finally investigate the reverend's place, and then he dies as soon as he finds the damning evidence. Uh, driven to suicide. So Stella obviously was about to commit suicide, and then the werewolf is implied to have at least thought about committing suicide Mm -hmm. man i don't even like saying this so the next one (laughs) epic fail (laughs) the the mob yeah uh i scream when the world attacks mari uh, mari marty shoots him in the eye and then kills him in the eye Mm -hmm. um fair play whodunit before he's revealed to be the werewolf, there's a scene that the character has an intense nightmare sequence showing the other townsfolk turning into the werewolves. Uh, improvised weapon. When the werewolf grabs Jane, Red uses a chair. And uh, after it breaks, he grabs a fire poker. In case you forgot you wrote it, the opening credits presents Stephen King's Silver Bullet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, infant mortality. Brady is killed, as is the pregnant woman. Uh Kid Hero, Marty, Lunacy, and they actually discussed that in mm-hmm. the movie because Red um, says the full moon drives everyone crazy. We've got Motive Rant. Reverend Lowe tries to justify his actions in the in the uh, bridge. Mm-hmm. The narrator, obviously, uh, off with his head, the very first victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, our werewolves are different. When Red questions the culprit, by pointing out there wasn't a full moon when Marty was attacked, Marty and Jane decide yeah. that while well, there's stories where the werewolf doesn't turn during the full moon, I'm going to talk about that one more because yeah. I want to elaborate on that one. It's just like Twilight. Uh, then we've got the police are useless, obviously. Red eyes take warning. Mm-hmm. Close-ups of the werewolf's red eyes. Uh, refuge in audacity. Tell me about that one. It's the bartender, Mr. Knopfler. He is attacked and dragged beneath the mist by the werewolf. Mm-hmm. And he makes a last-ditch effort to drive it off with his baseball oh, bats. Yeah. And then he becomes the victim of the bat instead. Yeah. Um, 
the reveal, obviously, when the Reverend reveals himself, um, torches and pitchforks, which, Going into again, self-explanatory, are bar mob. Not enough never of either. The bar, the bar. Uh, saved by cannon. So, obviously, if Jane is narrating, we know that she's not in any real danger. Very true. I'm proud uh, of that. The, the silver bullet trope. So, varying reports on this, too, but... It seems that you probably couldn't make a bullet out of silver. It'd be too soft. Yeah, because it's too soft, and with like the the gunpowder and everything, it just wouldn't wouldn't work. That's interesting. Next, we've got shaming the mob, which the mm-hmm. sheriff tries to do, but then he's shamed back by the it's grieving father. It's a real shame off. Next, we've got stupid evil because the wolf is smart enough at the beginning to not draw too much attention, uh, make it look like an accident. But then as the movie progresses, he starts getting a little bit more brazen, like with the suicide woman, obviously. Yeah. We've got super wheelchair, which I guess is a a trope. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, The tease. This one I'm a little like iffy about. Uh, it's about when Jane was like flirting with the boys. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I really agree with that because it's so like minimal and she just like does like a little twirl for them. Uh, terrifying pet store rat. So mm-hmm. the, the gerbil. Uh, title drop. It's the name of Marty's wheelchair. Uh, this was his true form when the werewolf turns back into human. Uh, wham shot. When Jane is returning the bottles, she's talking to the reverend and uh, then the camera cuts to his face with the scare cord ah. uh, and last we have why did it have to be snakes because jane displays a fear of snakes and rodents mm-hmm. so that's all of the ones that were present it's trope task um, i do want to talk about the our werewolves are different trope a little bit because i want to explain what that is because i Let's thought it was it. interesting so it is a sub trope according to tv tropes of the where beasts are different trope um, so it deals with the variations of lycanthropy or being a werewolf. So as with like a vampire mythos, the parameters are like a little bit fast and loose. Yeah. Well, they have like a, some wiggle room and, uh, but to meet the, the definition of being a werewolf, it has to be like a, an anamorph sort of who ah. takes the form of a wolf every month werewolves i guess never really got the revisionist stuff that vampires did in film that's interesting um especially like during the 90s because of like the probability of like just special effects not being able to live up to the source material and stuff whereas with vampires you just slap a couple of fangs couple fangs turn them into a bag blood on the neck and they can just be like Attractive people biting sexy necks and stuff. Everyone's a vampire. Ultimately, in a lot of film, especially around that time, and I guess there's still not really very many werewolf movies. No. Um, But they're more in, like, what TV Tropes calls fur against fang. It's like werewolf versus vampire stuff. Again, just like Twilight. And uh, what they call fantasy kitchen sink settings. So I guess that's throw throw everything in there. Yeah, I have... My own piece of movie trivia about this movie. Okay. It's only one, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, so as I'm sure ardent Stephen King fans will know, the town that this takes place in, which is Tarker's Mill, bit of a strange name, is directly beside 
the other Stephen King town of Chester's Mill from under the dome, like it's sealed off from the rest of humanity in that awful show. And then that is also beside uh, Castle Rock, which will be coming to a premium cable service uh, near (laughs) you sometime this summer, maybe? It doesn't really matter when it was released because they're not sponsoring us. But that's the only fact I had about this movie. I think that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Stephen King's very afraid to walk out of those three towns of Maine. <laughs> I don't really know what that Castle Rock show is even about. It's They're shrouding it in mystery. Exactly. It's all about the mysterious shroud. <laughs> and uh, with that, we are going nope. to... We no? still have to do Six oh, yeah, Degrees of start... Jamie Lee. Sorry. Um, so we have Corey Haim who is in License to Drive with Grant Heslov, who is in True Lies with Jamie Lee Curtis. Nice. Yes. Nice. Very nice. And that's it. Now we can say goodbye. So now we're going to put our own shroud (laughs) over this podcast and uh, say goodbye, as you said. Thank you so much for listening. We've got to go watch Hereditary. Yeah. But first, you got to tell them about our social needs. Yeah, so if you aren't already, uh, follow us on Twitter at DeafFirstBlood, on Instagram at DefinitelyFirstBlood, and on our website, DefinitelyFirstBlood.com. Thank you again so much for listening to us. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Yeah, so this has been uh, episode 16. Next week, we'll be back with episode 17. We don't know what movie we're doing, but we'll uh, post it on Twitter when we do. We will be doing it. All right. So, bye. Bye. Happy weekend. Bye. Bye.